0: Hi, I'm Delphine from the Contextual Safeguarding Team, and I'm with Niamh Longain, Consultant in Adult and Pediatric Emergency Medicine at Homerton Hospital in Hackney. Homerton has begun to think about how they can use contextual approaches when working with young people in A&E, and Niamh will share with us some initial reflections in this podcast. So hi Niamh, thanks for being here. Hi
1: Delphine, thanks for having me on.
0: You're welcome. So could you begin by
1: briefly introducing yourself and giving an overview of your work? Sure, thank you. So I'm, as you said, a consultant in adult and paediatric emergency medicine. So I trained in emergency medicine and sub-specialized in paediatric emergency medicine. And I've been working at the Hummerton as a consultant for six or seven years. Um, and I probably spend 50 to 70% of my time in paediatric emergency and the rest of the time in adult. And I have a passion for um, working with adolescents. And so in our paediatric department, we see up to 16 year olds, and then 16 plus are seen in our adult area. And so I'll see the broad range of of everything that can come to an emergency department. And I've been interested in it for a long time in safeguarding in general, and specifically uh, vulnerabilities in relation to violence, criminal exploitation, sexual exploitation, and mental health issues in young people. And I worked for about three years with a colleague here to get Red Thread youth work um, embedded in our emergency department. And we were the first non-major trauma center, so we're a district general hospital and a trauma unit, but not a major trauma center, to get Red Thread embedded youth workers uh, within our, our emergency department. And I felt that that was really important because we were aware of a lot of the issues that our young people faced, but we're aware that we were to some degree scratching the surface because of time limitations and expertise. So actually having youth workers here bridges some of that gap, which can come about sometimes in terms of clinicians to children's safeguarding team to um, children's social care. And I did an audit actually a couple of years ago on sexual exploitation and the use of biopsychosocial assessments and was very aware that by having extra very skilled staff who are part of our team um, in terms of red thread, that they could help us with with some of these assessments and the deeper assessments. Great. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And so what difference do you
0: think contextual safeguarding can make when working with young people in ANE?
1: Well, it's been very interesting because um, it's something I'm very aware of, is that obviously the environment affects people. And I suppose the traditional safeguarding approach, which solely took into account familial and possibly school dynamics, Mm -hmm. but didn't take into account anything to do with peer relationships or the lived environment of young people, always seemed to me to be quite limited even in terms of some scientific thoughts around epigenetics and how the environment affects genes. And also a lot of work that's been done around uh, blue zones, which is basically about some of the healthiest areas in the world to live and what they have in common. And some of our young people really have tremendously difficult environments and have a safety concern and an illegitimate safety concern, which there's a chap called Craig Pinckney, who's a youth worker who I, I saw speaking at Hive, who talked about the fact that gangs can be like surrogate families. And that for many young people there, in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, their basic needs for physiological safety, phys- physiological needs and safety needs are, are not being met. Mm. And so they, they will go to a place where those needs can be met. And also it gives rise to a hypervigilance if you are afraid for your safety and if your environment feels unsafe and in a very practical sense I remember you know just meeting young people and their parents one young woman who'd been beaten up by many people on a bus and being able to say to her there's something that we can do yes it's, it's not your parents and and it's it's also nice to say that to parents too because sometimes they have a feeling that children's social care or the social workers blame them and that feeling that actually somebody is taking into account their safety outside of the home Mm. and their lived experience and it's it's been really quite exciting because I think in terms of everything I always think in terms of an individual level a trust level and a community level and so those sorts of individual examples um, and on a trust level you know our children's safeguarding team and red thread uh, youth workers will attend extra familial risk panels and multi-agency child exploitation panels and there's a vulnerable adolescence group as well within the hospital and that awareness of taking into account a person's whole lived experience and being holistic is, is really important. And another thing that we've looked at, it's a wonderful uh, thing that, that uh, Red Thread did, which was doing a, a peer mapping of about 20 young people mm-hmm. and looking at the interactions between so many of them and how entrenched some of those interactions were and the adverse childhood experiences or vulnerability scores that a lot of of these young people have. Um, and I also think on this sort of slightly more positive end of the scale that there is, um, there's an opportunity by learning what vulnerabilities are to learning what protective factors could be instituted by understanding what those vulnerabilities are outside of the home. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've learned a lot. And um, also seeing Carleen Furman speaking, you know, was highly inspiring and understanding some of the things that the community are doing like um, you know turning off wi-fi in certain points where where there's a lot of um, exploitation occurring um, so local businesses being informed it's it's very inspiring and i think um, the idea of, of um, health education and social care working together to try to give a a possibility of a good upbringing and a safe environment for young people is is paramount, really. Mm. Yeah, no, that, that's really interesting. And as you say, there
0: are many synergies between health and social care. Mm-hmm. Um, you've mentioned that Red's Red has started using peer mapping. Um, mm-hmm. Have you begun using any other contextual approaches or tools in your work?
1: Well, we... we We use the head's assessment, so with the four S's, (laughs) so um, we look at home and education, alcohol and drugs, activities, eating, social media, uh, sexuality, suicidality and safety. And it is very interesting. I've certainly been very surprised when you go through a, a very comprehensive set of questions like that, where... For some young people, they're so accustomed to having a feeling of lack of safety that if you don't ask them if they've ever witnessed violence, been subject to violence, or if there's violence in their lives, they won't mention things that for the rest of us would be extremely shocking and at the forefront of our minds. Right. Um, so, so, that in itself is contextual because as a biopsychosocial approach, it looks at the, the child's whole life. I also wanted to mention that um we um obviously use contextual safeguarding as a method of referring to children's social care even when there are no concerns around the home or the school environment or any professionals in terms of LADO referrals but also the um the school nursing team use contextual methods in their work um the sexual health services also do and um chips Plus. Um, as well in Hackney and also I I lead on in-situ simulations and run some simulation courses and we certainly had a multi-professional adolescent health day that that I ran that presented at a conference in Bilbao and um, it involved a young person's journey through the hospital seeing the emergency department, paediatric team, CAMS, and sexual health and very much allowed everybody to see the entirety of the young person's life trajectory. It involved um, some exploitation, um, it, some sofa surfing, some mental health issues and some sexual health complications physically from the um, exploitation that the young person had experienced. And I think using in situ simulation and other teaching methodologies and certainly Red Thread Teach our, um, our trainees as well um, is paramount and contextual safeguarding is also used by our children's safeguarding team in the in any of their safeguarding updates so that our our staff are aware that it is important to consider and important to make the necessary referrals
0: great yeah so
1: obviously it goes beyond A&E oh yes absolutely okay. I suppose for me it is as with all of, of medicine, um, viewing the person as a whole mm. and their life experience and the impact of that life experience on their health is paramount. We also know that adolescence is a time of of special neural pathway changes within the brain and that if you allow a young person to see that there is a number of trusted adults in their lives that can actually change the trajectory of their life going forward. Mm. Um, in terms of other healthcare professionals within other trusts, I, I think it may be difficult if other boroughs have not adopted a contextual safeguarding methodology. We're very lucky in Hackney, but that has been the case and it has been the case for some time. And I feel very fortunate in that. But I feel that it is worthwhile for any... Healthcare professional to look at the interplay of who is around the young person, who has an impact on that young person, what is their day-to-day life like? What is it like walking to and from school? Have they witnessed something on their journey to and from school that has been shocking? Um, Have they seen somebody being stabbed? Do they know that somebody they know was killed on on their on their path to school? Do they know that at the end of school, that sometimes, which unfortunately we see quite a lot that young people can be um, assaulted just after school, It's, it's unfortunately a very common thing. Do they know that there are people within their local area within the chicken houses or outside who are looking to tell them, you know, you can belong to us if you work for us, if you do county line stuff, you know, if you sell this or that. And if they can take that on board and utilize that to make a really robust referral to children's social care and to to work themselves towards figuring out if they can find a method to have youth workers within their hospital who have that extra expertise and also have the time to visit these young people in the community and see and really see what their lives are like because we're aware that in hospitals we have a snapshot and we see somebody outside of their of their lived environment we know that we're seeing them often as sort of a teachable moment or maybe a turning point but we're also not seeing their lives and if 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 other healthcare professionals can work towards and I, and i hope the government would would see way to give more funding to this and it's something that a lot of us who are passionate about young people and about adolescents and about youth violence have been asking for more centralized funding in terms of of equipping Um, emergency departments and hospitals with trained and committed youth workers that will really help but in the interim taking a full heads assessment looking at what factors make up issues within a young person's life at the same time as as I said looking at protective factors because sometimes it's important even to the young person as you speak to them to identify their protective factors for themselves because otherwise they can feel quite vulnerable if they, all they think about is their vulnerabilities. Yeah. But using that to actually give a decent referral so that other services within the community know what that young pe- person is experiencing um, and are able to support them. And, and there is no doubt that further funding of community centres and, and hubs for young people and drop-in centres And even GP practices that have a focus on young people or clinics for young people would really help this, because actually having other opportunities to to have a safe place to hang out and to play games and to you know just chat, rather than being more at risk on street corners, and and unfortunately austerity has had an impact on that. But there are certainly a a lot of grassroots organisations within communities which are working to that aim. Absolutely, that's a
0: very important point. And in fact, we know from research that young people often don't feel they have a space to go to and just hang out in the community. Yeah. Uh, that's really important.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. So you've, you've mentioned all this fantastic work that's happening in A&E and also beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any more ideas
1: of how you'd like to take this work forward? yes i do indeed delphine um i um i would very much like because i i feel that that um we as a as a trust and and health organizations in general um actually collate a lot of information Mm. um we know our local population uh, and we we know what's going on actually and um i have some very big ideas i i would like to do some very formal peer mapping and also formal safety mapping, we have for many years in this trust submitted trauma data to the police in order to keep communities safe, so in terms of assaults, obviously anonymized data, but in terms of assaults and locations and methods of assault and and a lot of these things are used to for example utilize plastic glasses in certain uh, clubs and bars, etc but I would very much like to have a database whereby we have a, an up-to-date peer mapping so that, that we can figure out the connections between young people. And, and it's certainly something we've seen many cases of, of young people who are interconnected in such deep ways. And you can see one person at the center who's most at risk, and if you can help that one person and then help the people around them, it, it, it's, it's paramount. And also safety mapping in terms of nearly having red, amber and green zones and figuring out what you can do to help the, the more dangerous zones, the amber and the red. I think it will take um, some money and some investment and some expertise, but I'm looking to figure out how I can help to institute that, so that there's a very robust method of, of sharing appropriate data with, um, with children's social care and other youth work organisations, um, and also just, just having a handle ourselves, as a trust and as a department of what is occurring for our young people and, and how we can make lives better. Um, so, yeah, I have some very big ideas. Um, they're very much in the in the planning stage, but um, I'm hopeful, looking forward. And having heard some of um, Carleen Furman's uh, work that has been done throughout the world with contextual safeguarding, I feel it is possible. And it, it's just figuring out a method. But also just doing the simple things well, <laughs> continuing to taking to see each young person and taking a biopsychosocial history, bearing in mind when social care or when our Red Thread youth workers or the children's safeguarding team tell us about connections between young people in whatever manner, taking these into account, understanding the environment in which they live and knowing particular hotspots where certain issues are occurring all of these things and working with our community organizations and continuing to have representation on the extrafamilial risk panel etc so continuing to do the day-to-day things and then trying to get a bigger and broader overview of of exactly what it is like to be a young person in in our borough
0: great well it's very good to have ambitious ideas and Yes. yes. No, but they're brilliant, and it's exactly what we're aiming to work towards. You know, in a long yes. time within a contextual safeguarding approach, and we're keen mm-hmm. to continue developing more partnerships with health and with other partners. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we very much look forward to keeping updated about this work mm-hmm. and how it can be applied to health. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure many of our health partners across the country will find this very in- inspiring and encouraging. So, thank you.
1: Thank you, thank you very much.